All right, so my third story is... Oh, there it goes. Wait. Ah, there it is. So if you are a fan of Pokemon Go, and I don't know how many people still are, but they recently came out with an update that if you are still into it, you're going to be really happy. And if you haven't played in a while, you might want to check it out. Basically, all this update did was people thought it was a glitch at first. Turns out it's not. What it does is it backs out your map twice as far. So before, you could probably only see maybe 40 meters away from you. Now you can see up to 80 meters away from you, which makes it much easier to catch Pokemon because, you know, you can catch them from further away. And yeah, like I said, a lot of people thought this was initially a glitch and they loved it. They were like, oh, this is so awesome. I totally wish Nintendo would, or not Nintendo, but was it Niniac, would do this permanently. Turns out it was a patch and it's supposed to be in the game. So this might be a great time to get back into Pokemon Go because, yeah, you can, from the comfort of your home, catch Pokemon from twice as far away. Very cool. Oh, so you mean, oh, see, I thought this meant that it just means that you get to see where more Pokemon are, but you can actually just stay in a fixed location and catch Pokemon. That, it, it, you can see them from further away, but from what the article was saying is that you can actually catch them from further away as well. Oh, that does make things different. So they said that you can, they said that if you're, you can stay in one place and catch more Pokemon without okay. going anywhere. Okay, I guess that does will help people. I wonder how much Nantic is making from this game at the moment, but well, listeners would remember, like, at the height of Pokemon Go, they were making $100 million a month from Pokemon Go. So they stashed the cash for a while. People also would remember this disappeared quite quickly in the West, but this was still quite hot in Asia for a very long time. People here in Asia, you might have seen people in Taiwan, in China, people running around with, like, cell phones, multiple cell phones on a bike and catching Pokemon. I remember still seeing people... Uh, last year, maybe the beginning of last year, again, because like in Taiwan, Adam and I both ride motorcycles and you'd see people with a phone mount and have like their cell phone and at the traffic light, they'll be playing Pokemon Go. I remember seeing that. I have not seen that in a while. So I guess this is good. And I guess my question to you then, Adam, is this was the height of AR gaming, right? Like, why do you think it's disappeared? I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, you get into kind of a groove and then this is the problem that I always have with kind of mobile games is that you play it for a while and then you get into that habit of logging in every day and then you get into a rhythm of it and then slowly over time you're like, you miss a day or you miss an hour or something. And then, you know, that time goes longer and longer and longer between sessions and then eventually you just fall out of it. It's not because it, most of these games are not designed for sitting down a long time and playing. They're designed to be played in short, quick bursts. So for instance, if you have something that's a little more story-oriented or something like that, people want to sit down, they want to play, they want to progress to the next part of the story. But when you have something like this that's all about collecting, there's not that kind of, oh, what comes next? It's just kind of, oh, I can do this. But then life gets in the way and slowly you just fall out of the habit. I would say that's probably it. So basically you're saying like there's not a compelling reason like in, in like these sorts of games for people to keep playing. Not in the long term over years and years, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And plus that makes sense. Yeah. And then plus you get to a point where it's okay, I've collected basically all the Pokemon. What am I what do I do now? Once you have all I don't know how many there are now. Most of them are at least. But I do have some students who will go they'll talk about, like, Oh yeah, on the weekend my dad takes me to the park and we catch Pokemon and that's kinda of like their family thing. No, twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. I'd have a no. couple of students that'll do that and they're they're like, Oh yeah, my dad but I think it's in that case, it's more, I think it's less about them playing Pokemon. I think it's more about the family saying, oh, we need a family 
thing to do. This is like our family game night or this is our family time. And that's what we do. That's our family tradition is we go to the park and we catch Pokemon. So I think in that case, it's less about the game and more about the family. And this game is really good for that. So true. I remember again, not recently, but like a few years ago, going to a place in Central Park, which is a place where we live in, in Taiwan. And I was like there really early in the morning. And I saw all these people outside in the park and it was like early 7.30 a.m. And they were all walking around holding their phones and like, oh God, it's Pokemon Go. There must some, be some jibby bit or something happening over there. And, but no, I haven't seen that in a while. And that's, I think that's interesting. And makes a really good point about that. The longevity of this kind of game. I know I've seen it before because I just switched on iPhone recently, but on Android, I've seen other games try to emulate Niantic's success. I don't think anybody has had the next Pokemon Go. Like Pokemon Go was like as, as bad as it is to say it. That was the last big, the only ever big AR game ever. Microsoft tried Minecraft Go or Minecraft something like like real world something that didn't work out. And I think that's a shame. I think AR gaming is really cool. I think AR is really cool. But maybe this comes down to what Adam said about a lighter head edge, like heavy sunglasses, and maybe that's the thing that will compel people to play this kind of game. So we'll see how it goes. But interesting. Good for them. Good for Antic. And I have my fingers crossed for more AR games. I think in the case of Pokemon Go too, there's the argument that it's so simple. You just, you sit on a bus, you walk in the park, you can pull out your phone, you can play it real quick, right? But for a lot of these AR games, you do have to go out, especially before. Now we've backed out so you can be, you can sit in your home and you can catch Pokemon from further away. But before, if you're in a small space, you have to be moving with your phone. And the odds are that unless you're dedicating like, hey, I'm going to go out and catch Pokemon, if you're going somewhere you're probably doing something right you're going to a restaurant with friends or you're on your way or you're shopping and you're holding shopping bags and so i think for something like a lot of these ar games it's designed to be played while you're out and about but when you're out and about it's probably for a reason and you don't have your hands free you don't really have the time to play an ar game i think pokemon's just so popular that they were the exception but i think that's might be part of the reason why it's harder for other ar games to get in on this is because People were making an exception for Pokemon. They said, I'm going to go to the park and catch these Pokemon. So they were dedicating time to it. But uh, yeah, I think unless you can get people to dedicate the time to it, you can't do something like this and expect it to be a casual thing. That's totally true. And a very valid point about dedicating time to it. And I think as well, like with our age group, this was interesting as well for us in segment. I remember seeing those videos on YouTube where, hey, I lost X amount of kilograms because I got out and did exercise due to Pokemon Go and that sort of stuff. But then again, like as you get older, kids are no kids, right? You're busy, work, family stuff, wife stuff, finances, taking care of stuff around the house. Like you guys would know Phil and Phil has to fix his roof because we've had weird weather around here. Life gets in the way as Adam also mentioned as well. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what gaming companies figure out next. Okay, let's move on to my last story. And this has gone even faster than I anticipated. <laughs> I guess first the big announcement, I have stopped playing Hearthstone already for two weeks. Yep. So I am no longer a Blizzard person. I've uninstalled the Blizzard app from my device. I've uninstalled, when I say device, from my computer. It's off of my iPad. It's off of my phone. And I guess the biggest reason was just because I like Snap a lot better. I like Snap's a better choice in terms of politics because Snap is made by Second Dinner, and Second Dinner is funded by NetEase, and NetEase is, of course, from the big bad China. And again, I'm sorry, I said that. But no, Snap just works better for me in terms of schedule. Like, Snap games are very fast. 
Hearthstone games did go on for a long time. I spent $200 a year in terms of Hearthstone. Actually, probably a bit more because they had the Battle Pass system. That money goes a lot longer on Snap. Snap, you pay $10 a month for Battle Pass. And so that would work up to $120 a year. And that's the latest leaves extra room to buy like cool skins and other stuff that you might get. This week on Snap, there's actually a Taiwanese artist being featured. Her name's Fiona Shea. And you pay $20 and she gets a cut of the skins and stuff that you buy that you did a Venom a version of Venom and a Venom version of Carnage. They're actually beautiful art and you get some in-game currency, that sort of stuff. And she gets a fortune like that's a support independent artists. Why not? But yeah, no, but yeah, no. today's the story is not about me stopping playing Hearthstone, though that is the story. I love the game and it still is a fantastic game, but this book just works better for my schedule and work life. And Adam and I were talking about this before the show about how crazy work is. Like work is supposed to be slower as you get older, right? But Adam's getting busy and I'm getting busy and that sucks a big But yeah, no, one of the big problems with snappers, right? And I did a video about this, you go back and check it, is that when you get when you start to play snap, there's no buying cards. I guess there is buying cards, but not in an easy way. Like when you first start playing the game, the only way for you to get cards is to play the game and make progress. And after a certain point, you get to buy cards, right? And, and then you get to the advanced stage. But you still can't buy every card. You actually have to play the game and to gain what's called collection ranks to get cards. But that would mean like sometimes I'm playing a game where I play with somebody who has this card and I cannot get that card. And that is like a really cool card. Or a really important card. And so Snaps released something called the Spotlight Caches. And they're going to release it, I should say. Spotlight Caches basically means is they're going to offer us a chance to get like these really important cards much easier. So every season, and I think this will, I don't think this will start in July, I could be wrong. And you'll have a chance to get four core cards that were released like last year or earlier this year, that sort of stuff. And then every month after that, that's basically what it is. is. Now you'll be able to get these important cards. It'll be nicer because you get to experiment more. And one of the cool things in Marvel Snappers was they release cards every single week. So every single week you get a new card that can change up the way you play a particular deck. This week's card is Spider-Man 2099, something like that, yes. And so that's a cool card and that's fun. And I think that's also another reason why I like Snappers all is that in Hearthstone you have to wait three months for like new cards to change up the way you play the game. In Marvel Snap, you're like it's every week. This is, unfortunately, I hate to say it, this is the TikTokization, if that's even a word, of gaming, right? Where, hey, you need new content all the time? Sure, every week you're getting new content. Go. And that works, and this works for me. But you know, if you're a person who's playing Marvel Snap or you're thinking about playing Marvel Snap, Spotlight Caches are the way to go. If you are a person who's playing at the moment, basically you want to, you don't need to set up your caches because there is a downside to this system. Previously, right, you get collector's tokens and you can use those tokens to buy specific cards. In the new system, you'll get far fewer collector's tokens will be for you to buy actual specific cards, which is fine because you'll be getting these important cards anyway. But basically, people have said, if you are playing Marvel Snap at the moment, play as much as you can before the new system comes, buy the cards that you want to buy because eventually it will be harder to buy new cards. For middle-aged gamers, I think mostly you could just put down your US dollars or whatever currency and buy your cards. But yeah, no, new ways to get new cards, basically TLDR. Coming soon. If you haven't played Snap, I would encourage you to do that. It's pretty fun and pretty awesome, and I'm enjoying it. Never played it. I don't think, yeah, I don't remember you, because you're not like a card game person. Like this, 
works for me because I play this like lunchtime or dinner time while the partner is watching some sort of audit TV show. And then while I'm eating, I play Snap. Okay. All right, Adam. So what are we going to talk about for the last, I guess we don't really have a time limit. So what are you going to talk about for the last 10 minutes? We can talk about anything. We got the FCC, was it FCC, FTC trial going on. There's been some Starfield news. Oh, uh, what's going on with the FTC? The, or is it FCC? The trial FCC. with, FCC. is it FCC or FTC? So FCC is the Federal Communications Commission. Okay, it's FCC. FCC. I was like, FCC is Federal Trade Commission. I know that. And I was like, is it FCC or FCC? FTC. But I, know, I knew that it was FTC, but I was like, I feel like it's FCC, not F- FTC. But yeah, there's the FCC trial with the Microsoft. They've had some interesting things coming out of there. Some news. I'm sure you've been keeping track of that or... Yeah, no, I did see something around the lines of the U.S. blocked Microsoft acquiring Activision, something along that, or the judge or something like that. I thought that was... I give another two days. It's not... It's, I think there's still another two days of the trial to go. I don't think they're okay. blocked yet. But uh, yeah, there's yeah. some really interesting things have come out of it. Jim Ryan did a... a the the Sony guy came out and did a, a video... I don't remember what they call Deposition or whatever. So he did pre-recorded one saying that Starfield was not anti, making Starfield exclusive was not anti-competitive and that there was nothing wrong with the Starfield exclusivity. But they also found some emails from Microsoft back in 2019 suggesting that what they should try to do is basically, what was the word? Spin Sony out of existence. So they were just saying they should just spend until Sony couldn't keep up, basically do what the U.S. did in the Cold War, where they just kept spending money to the point that the USR collapsed. And they were suggesting in 2019 that they should do that, just cause a buying war, basically, until Sony could no longer keep up. So that was one thing that they it was in a 2019 email. And then another thing that was actually really looking bad was there was an email from Pete Hines from Bethesda saying that basically it was an internal email sent to other people expressing confusion over the fact that Call of Duty was allowed to remain multi-platform when Microsoft had required them to pull all development on Sony platforms. And he was basically saying, like, I've had to come out, because he had to come out and basically say, I'm sorry, this is going to be exclusive. The Elder Scrolls and these things are going to be exclusive going forward. Because everybody was expecting Starfield to be multi-platform. And he had to come out and say, sorry, guys, this is not going to be multi-platform. And then when Call of Duty came out, you could see in this email, he was like, why do they get to be multi-platform and we don't? Why did we have to disappoint our fans? Why did we have to do that? That's not fair. What is so special about them that they got to do that? And he actually, so you could see that, and he was talking about not just himself, but employees at Bethesda who were disappointed with that decision and were confused by the decision that Activision was allowed to keep Call of Duty multi-platform while they were not allowed to keep their games multi-platform. So that makes sense to me, though. Yeah. Think, yeah. Call of Duty is like a massive multiplayer game, and I... Oh, yeah. The logic is there. And that's what a lot of people are arguing online is, okay, Call of Duty is this... You're a single-player game. You're basically made money off of sales alone, whereas Call of Duty is this massively multiplayer online game. That was another thing that they pointed out was, what was the game... Fallout 76, they were originally going to make Fallout, what was it, Microsoft was going to pull the plug on Fallout 76, and then they said, okay, to justify this game being, to justify keeping this game alive, we need 10 million active users, basically. We need 10 million people playing this game. And then they decided to put, they decided to put Fallout 76 on PlayStation Plus, 
they got those 10 million and now Fallout 76 is still running strong and stronger than ever even. So Fallout 76 was allowed to be put on PlayStation because they needed those numbers. So they needed the PlayStation numbers to keep it alive. But yeah, I think his disappointment was more like, hey, we want as many people to play our games as possible. And I understand the business logic behind it, but I think from him, from his perspective, because this was an internal email, this wasn't like, you know, something that was like a formal email or anything. This was just an internal one. I think he was just expressing his disappointment. Hey, I have, we have fans here and our fans are disappointed. And why is it that I have to disappoint my fans, but they get to keep their fans happy? I think it was more of a, a I think it was more of an expression of frustration than a lack of understanding. I think he, I'm sure he understood why, but I think in his mind is similar to in other people's minds where it's, I understand why, but I, just because I understand why doesn't mean I think it's fair. So I think it was, I think it was more of that, but yeah, I think they have two days left on the trial and then, and then they'll make a decision. Oh, and the other thing was that this is, that was really interesting was, so you remember the, what was it? The, the UK, the, what was it? The, the, the UK like equivalent of FTC in the UK. Yeah. And they said that the reason that they blocked it was because of, was because of concerns about game streaming. So in another email, internal email of Microsoft, basically they came out and they said, okay, Game streaming is nearly impossible to get into now. If you look at streaming like Disney, Disney just dominates streaming at this point. Disney and Netflix, it's almost impossible to open up in a new one. So right now, game streaming, it's going to be nearly impossible to open up a new one. So if we don't do it now, we're never going to have that opportunity in the future, which is one of the concerns that the, the UK regulatory body had was they said, if Microsoft has all this power in game streaming, it's going to be way too hard for other game streaming, for other companies to do this. And that's going to make it basically give them a monopoly because other people can't break into this, into this field. And Microsoft in an email basically said, it's impossible to break into this field, confirming exactly what they said. Granted, it's a little bit different because Microsoft is saying it's even almost impossible for us to do that let alone anybody else it's we would have a really hard time of it but it does go with the what they were saying where they're saying like okay if microsoft was able to do this it might give them too much power because it would be near impossible for another service to open up i think we're at that stage in like capitalism right off i was talking to a guy he was the chief strategy officer of i think something called theta network right and they at one point were trying to compete with twitch and he was like when they first started out their company, yeah, they said, this was our biggest mistake, right? It was like, yeah, nobody can take on Twitch. And speaking of Kick, Kick is someone who's trying to do the same thing, right? Like Mixer tried to do that. YouTube tried to do that. They gave big time streamers, hey, here's $20 million, come and stream for us exclusively, right? And none of that's worked, right? Mixer died because it was owned by Microsoft. YouTube gave up giving people contracts, right? YouTube is not going out and hunting talent anymore. And Kick recently, they gave $100 million to XQC. They brought on Amaranth as well for an X amount of money. And this guy was like, hey, look, like this is not going to work. Look, all the tactics of bringing famous personalities into your platform is wonderful, but it's not a long-term strategy to survivability. And Kick's been on the on, on the scene for a while. We're going to try. We were still, oh God, we forgot to try and stream to Kick today. <laughs> but like, that's the thing, right? It, it's, I think we've gone to a stage where Amazon's always going to be Amazon. No one, as much as this sounds bad, no one's ever going to take over Amazon. No one's going to beat Netflix. No one's going to beat Disney Plus. No one's going to beat Game Pass, right? Unless 
there's a massive, amazing new console that's going to come out and say, hey, come to our console. We have this service and we can play PlayStation games, Xbox games. I don't think the people who are endemic is probably not the right word, who are stuck in a particular place in a level of an economic system, it's impossible to dislodge them unless it's like World War Three or something like that. Not the word that does. Yeah, you heard about, was it, is it XQC? Yeah. You heard what he did on Kick, right? Oh, so he streamed, what did he originally stream? He originally streamed something, like, a, was it Batman or something? He was streaming some sort of copyright content. I, well, that was the thing is he was streaming some kind of copyright content. They warned him about it. And then he started, and then he went back and started doing it with Breaking Bad. So he just went back and did it again, which had a lot of people thinking like, oh, this guy's taken down Kick from the inside. He's gone over to Kick and he's just going to push the envelope until they have to kick him off the platform. And then he just walks away with the money. And then he can go back to Twitch. Yes, yes. It's and it's like, like it, maybe he was looking at what he was doing. Yeah, just take your money and leave. And then if they, yeah, there's no way you can survive if people are just going to do that. Hopefully Twitch Kick was smart enough to say, hey, if you break your contract, you get X amount of money, but we're not going to give you 100 million. Yeah, still, he gets money. Come on. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened. I remember when streamers went over to YouTube and they went over to Facebook Gaming as well. And after the contract was over, okay, I'm going back to Twitch. That's when you have that conglomeration of users and people, right? Like that's where you have to go to, right? I mean, looking at you streaming, right? Like I remember looking at sometimes when you were doing restream, I would say you're not a huge streamer, but you do get people watching. And it is like looking at the stream summaries, right? Twitch is still like a place where you got, I would say the majority of people most of the time. Lately, I've been noticing most of the People who at least communicate in chat are typically on YouTube. Yes, yes. I think there's more discoverability on YouTube, especially because we have, I mean, we're like YouTube partner program Light, and we have there's a bunch of stuff you unlock when you get to a certain level in YouTube, and we've unlocked all of that. So, and it makes sense for YouTube as well because we are performing and we do have good stats. YouTube is like, okay, people like this middle age gaming. So we're pushing up content. That's like I was telling Adam as well. That's why we get a lot of after Adam live streams, people go back and watch his live videos for some reason. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's interesting. Um, all right, sir. I think that has been a fun podcast today. And we and it's so nice not having a timer. It is. Yes, it is nice as well. So we'll have to see. I think we'll see. I might spring for that extra plan so we don't have to have a timer. Cool. Then, Middle-Aged Gamers, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope you enjoyed the extra chat towards the end. It's fun. I've been missing a lot of gaming stories just because work's been too crazy. It's still nice that Adam knows all about that stuff. As usual, as I mentioned, please, if you're enjoying... Are you streaming Final Fantasy? You are streaming Final Fantasy, right? Yeah, if you're interested in Final Fantasy, and I know a lot of you are, stay tuned, hit that notification bell on YouTube, and then you'll get notified when Adam is streaming Final Fantasy, and he'll be streaming... At least today is Wednesday, so at least for the next nine days. Nine days, because I guess you start summer class on the 7th of July, you said. I think so. I'm not quite sure. Okay, so hypothetically speaking, because I do know kids here get off school. Where are you? Oh, because oh, I was looking at my class yesterday and was written on the board. Summer vacation starts after June. Oh, okay, maybe for uh, elementary schools already out or Yes. So yeah, and then Adam will be busy. I will see if I can squeeze in streaming. I'll have to make some time to set it up. I might even just stream straight up to kick, just to see how it goes. We'll see. I have to I can do evening streaming or something. I'd be interested to see how that goes. But anyway, yep. Stay tuned for the podcast. Talk to us on Twitch. 
make sure you subscribe as well. My video, you saw Adam's video on Facebook with our, I guess, my kind of Taiwanese neighbor who lives just down the street from where I live. My video is out on Facebook. You can watch that. You can learn a little bit about my story as well. I don't know the full stories are yet. I'll have to ask him about that. No, um, uh, I've been uh, keeping tabs on it. It was all he had his baby, and then they were all videos of like, the his mom, mom coming down. Yeah, you and then Phil also recorded after you did, because I recorded oh, okay. first, and then you recorded, and then Phil recorded. So it's kind of oh, funny that I was going to have us three in a row. <laughs> Very cool. All right, yep, podcast streaming, and let us know, and then we'll catch you guys at the same time next week. And I guess next week as well, we'll just be Adam and myself, and we might see if we can do something different because it is just two people and see if we can make the best use of the time. Cool. Catch you later. Later. <laughs> <laughs>